Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com slash family. Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Jim Suhan from Levi's Stadium after the Vikings lost 34-26 to the 49ers in another one-score game. And was this familiar fashion? I'm trying to remember all the twists and turns of it, but in terms of this one coming down, Ben, I guess the difference was you pointed out to me that this was one of the first times they lose a one-score game but didn't get the ball back at the end to try and win it. Yeah, it was the first time they have watched another team in victory formation all year, and they were in victory formation themselves for the first time all year uh, last week against the Packers. This was the only time they have not gotten the ball back with a frantic chance to try to tie or win the game in the last possession. This Eight points is actually their most lopsided loss of the year, if you be- can believe that, um, which I guess is an indicator as much as anything of how close all these games have been. This one did not feel like it was that far out of their reach the whole time. On paper, you'd say, well, they gave up 200-something yards rushing. They had a couple. They gave the 49ers two possessions inside their own 10, and they were like two of eight on third down. So there's a lot of the stuff that you would say, if you do these things, you're going to lose. And yet, they had plenty of opportunities to win the game. So, yeah, another game with a lot of twists in a season that's had plenty of them and probably will continue to have them. Yeah, and Jim, we'll talk about the, the – we'll get to the defense and just the – depleted depth chart, the injuries and everything they had to deal with. But you wrote about Kirk Cousins in this offense, and, yeah, they didn't get the chance to win it at the end. They only scored 20 points because they got the special team's kickoff return, and and Kirk throws a head-scratching pick. It just seems like when he's not on top of his game, his team's margin thins even more. They really need him right now to be more than the game manager that he had become. And let's let's give him credit. He has had a very good season. In the previous two weeks – he did a great job throwing the ball deep and using his weapons. This felt to me like a reversion back to game manager, but not quite good enough game manager, Kirk Cousins. He made key mistakes. Uh, you know, some of his throws were puzzling. He looked, and frankly, you know, let's talk about it. He lined up behind guard. He's lined up behind guard in a key situation. And I'm not saying the whole thing was his fault. I'm sure there was some miscommunication or some trouble getting the play in, but it's just one of those things you don't see the great quarterbacks do, you know, it, it and the interception he threw was kind of a head scratcher. Uh, I thought he had, you know, Jefferson open there on the last uh, offensive play of the game for the Vikings and made a bad throw. I thought he had people open in the end zone. He, made, he, just, he looked, he, he looked like the Kirk cousins. I always kind of expect to see whether that's fair or not, which is the guy who ends up with pretty good stats, but doesn't win the game. I don't know what you guys think about this, but it seems to me like in, in these close games, um, when the offense, when, when things are getting hectic, we have seen them do well in instances, but also we've seen them misfire. And it's times like the end of the first half where um, they try to get a Hail Mary attempt off and Kirk just basically throws the ball away and then is angry or seems pretty uh, animated with uh, Andrew Janoko, the quarterback's coach on the sideline, and kind of was pressed about it. Like after the game, Cousins was asked, did you want a different play? Like what were you talking about there? And he kept repeating, I just wanted to get closer to get a field goal. So whenever things are like really, um, the, t- the clock is ticking, they need to get moving. 
seems like it's a coin flip whether or not this offense is going to get it figured out. Yeah, I mean, the sequence there, I think he had thrown a shorter pass that got the clock running, and then I think there were five seconds left when he threw the pass that ended up being the last play of the first half where he basically throws it out of bounds. I don't know how much – I mean, I, you can probably get something in those five seconds to get you closer and, and get out of bounds with one second left there. Um but it's tough to do, I think. And, and it looked like on that play, Justin Jefferson, I think uh, Fred Warner was coming over uh, into coverage on somebody else over there. And as he was coming through, it looked like he maybe clipped Jefferson's heels. Jefferson fell down on that play. And I think that's probably where Cousins was looking to go with the ball. So that might have contributed to it as well. But yeah, kind of a, a puzzling sequence there at the end of the first half. And uh, one where they in the end could have used the points and you you got to talk about the throw on the two-point conversion to Jefferson that he missed Jefferson was open on that Cousins said I, I should have thrown a better ball there wish I would have had that one back um the fourth and three I think we mentioned looked like he missed Jefferson there um really probably on the last play of the game that looked like a ball that if it's a little more accurate Jefferson maybe comes down with so Lots of uh, things to lament for him. And, yeah, it's one of those games where you uh, you can go back and say if, if a few things are different, it's probably a different outcome. I, I wonder how many quarterbacks have those games that maybe you don't pay as much attention to it because not everything is so high leverage. I mean, they have probably played more high leverage snaps this year than – almost any team in the league. I mean, all of these close games, things get magnified. And that that's not to give Cousins a pass. I just – I wonder how much you see other quarterbacks have these games where – because I think Aaron Rodgers has moments where it's like, well, he's he's a little bit off here and there. The difference is that when Rodgers is on, as we saw last week, he's he just doesn't mess. And yeah. that's where you see the, the difference between the, the great ones and the merely pretty good ones. Yeah, I get. Yeah, they're they're probably few and far between moments, but it, the the one of Kirk lining up under Ole Udo is going to go down like, you know. I remember Tom Brady holding up the four when he thought it was fourth down on a Thursday night yep. game last year. Yep. You know that one gets kind of memorialized, and then he goes on and wins the Super Bowl. But uh, that's besides the point. We that 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 blunder by Kirk is just going to be one that it probably unfairly replay just because of how you just don't see that. You don't yeah, see that happen to the to anybody. The, the record, I guess. Yeah. And I asked Kirk about that afterward, and he just said, obviously, he was motioning to guys, trying to get them lined up, and just kind of lost where the center was. They had to burn a timeout there, and then they come back to it. Um, but, Jim, now that they lose Dalvin Cook, too, because now Dalvin Cook is out, dislocated shoulder injury. Um, ben, from what, from what you've heard, this is just another injury uh, to that shoulder area. He's had both of them worked on over the course of his years, from high school to college to the NFL. Um, it might be a decent time to, to lose him if there is any for the Vikings because you got Detroit on the schedule next. But I don't know if the way this offense has pivoted, Jim, does that make Cook's injury any more or less important to this team as you see this offense kind of pivot to trying to be aggressive and trying to push the ball downfield? It's a really good question. To me, the question is how will defenses now approach this offense? Because Cook Cook's presence implied balance even if they didn't have balance you still had defensive coordinators going into the game saying well we can't let cook just run all over us so it sets up everything they want to do i would think that defenses now would be a little more willing to concentrate on the two wide outs and say okay if alexander madison beats us then so be it i just think you know cook's a great player and he's a threat whether you're using him as a threat or not 
why does he fumble every time he gets hurt? <laughs> Not that any of us has the answer to that. It's but happened just, a lot. It keeps happening. It, it, and it seems like half the time he coughs the ball up, it's some kind of serious injury for him. Well, I remember on the one where he tore his ACL, I, I think part of the reason he fumbled on that, if I recall, was his hand went down to his knee. I think his knee popped, and I think he instinctively kind of grabbed for his knee and then didn't have two hands on the ball. But, yeah, you're right. It has happened. I think it happened in Seattle, maybe. One other time we hurt his shoulder, he fumbled on it, and, yeah. and yep. uh, or he gets the Chargers. I there there have been a few that have run together, but yes, it's happened a lot. And we yeah we see that Dalvin's got a fumbling problem with or without injuries, and clearly whenever he gets hurt, that exacerbates it, and uh, he kind of forgets about holding on to the ball there, but drops it there. the The Niners end up settling for a field goal. I think the Niners they score a touchdown off the interception of Kirk. Yes, that because that got down to the two yard line and they punched it in. Yeah, so just those interceptions end up uh, really hurting what was a depleted defense. This defensive line didn't have any of its starters, what it would like to start in terms of Everson Griffin, Daniel Hunter, Michael Pearson, Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, how did you guys think they did? Because initially I thought they were holding the Niners offense down a little bit. They had hit Garoppolo three times on his first eight dropbacks. They got the sack from Wanham early. They got the interception from Harrison Smith. It seemed like, hey, this defense might actually have something today. And then eventually it seemed like Jim Kyle Shanahan realized, oh, I should just run the ball and keep running it. Yeah, and this thing, I, I, you know, the Vikings kept saying after the game they admired the fight, and, and it's all true. I think this is a, it was an overmatched group. They played really hard. They played well early, and we all knew they were going to get worn down. And the 49ers were finally smart enough for, or yeah, I guess smart enough is the word, to just say, okay, we can out overpower them. Why are we doing anything else? Yeah, and it just was one run after another. And they lamented, Zimmer did, um, Eric Kendricks was a little more diplomatic about it. But for the most part, they lamented the holding that was going on, they said, by the Niners' offense. Um, Kendricks said just in general they let us play. Because you see at the end there, Kirk wants a DPI call on K.J. Osborne, doesn't get it. Uh, I don't think there were too many flags thrown in no, this No, there really weren't. And um, Ben, you pointed out something George Kittle said after the game. We should set this up with Zimmer's comments, though, in saying that um, they hold a lot. They're going to hold every play until they start calling it every play. And it just it is what it is and all this stuff. And he specifically called out. He thought, I think he was talking about uh, one play where uh, Debo Samuel gets the edge on, on the 20 touchdown. 20-yard touchdown, the initial touchdown for the Niners. Zimmer ends up chewing the ref's ear off the entire TV timeout after the score. Um, afterward, I'd ask Zimmer, is that what you were talking to the ref about? Was a potential hold on Kendricks through George Kittle? And Zimmer said, that's what I was talking to the refs about pretty much all day. <laughs> and what did uh, George Kittle have to respond well, to? Well, Kittle was told what Zimmer said. And Kittle said, I think the first thing he said about that play was that he, he said Kendrick's kind of exaggerated it. I mean, the the end zone cam on the replay doesn't do Kittle a ton of favors there. I, I think that the idea that Kendrick's exaggerated that, I mean, maybe. But or maybe the reaction was more... Uh, indignant than it needed to be but the the end zone cam would support the point that that might have been holding but Kittle said they we had plays where they should have called it on our pass rushers and it didn't get called or he said there were I think a few times where um he felt like he was grabbed and, and there was no defensive holding call on the Vikings but the money quote that you're going to hear repeated all week was Kittle said if you're going to sit there and complain about holding from the sideline I'd tell your guys to make better plays. 
I just love that coming from a player. And he's directing that at Mike Zimmer, correct? Yes. From what you you understand. Shades of Warren Sapp with Mike Sherman back in the day with the put a jersey on, win some more games. <laughs> After a hit on uh, some Packers alignment that I think ended up ending the guy's season or something. But yeah, Sherman went on the field and confronted Warren Sapp and the the famous exchange after that was, put a jersey on, go win some more games. Uh, Jim, Mike Zimmer's often got things to say about officiating after games. What did you think about this particular lament? I thought Kendricks had it right. They let him play. Both sides let him play. I thought the Vikings held. I think the uh, – I, the, <laughs> I thought both teams held. And the officials, when they're faced with that many potential holding calls on both sides, have a choice. Do we want to throw a flag on every play and make some kind of a point, or we just – let the guys play. So I and first personally, I'd rather see this kind of game where the game isn't interrupted by a flag every time somebody gets his arm a little bit outside somebody's shoulder pad. Especially, I think we saw it last year too, with the holding calls were way down. And you, like you point out, it disrupts the flow of the game, and the league wants to see offense. Yeah. So holding, if it's called, is going to do two things. It it wipes out plays that can score points. And it puts teams in situations where they're not going to sustain drives, which then means fewer points. So the league is trying to goose its product to be as watchable as possible. And if you're going to call everything that you could call, it will grind the game to a halt. So, yeah, there are things that should get called. Yeah, there are there are teams that hold. Uh, I think the you know the Packers have been accused of this or have maybe been praised for doing it artfully enough to not get called for it over the years with some of their offensive linemen it's part of the way this game has gone and I don't think anybody who is expecting it to change is uh should be sitting there holding their breath for terribly long that they're going to get their wish yeah and Mike Zimmer's issue with officiating holding in the NFL probably also stems from the fact that his team is one of the most uh penalized uh, in terms of offensive holding across the league. And Ole Udo had his team-leading 10th holding call today. Uh, from that right guard spot, another rough game for him. Um, he's the one who's in the highlight of getting, or low light, of getting pushed back into the backfield when Cook got injured. Um, that offensive line had more ups and downs today with Darisaw leaving, Rashad Hill coming in at left tackle. Although it doesn't sound like Darisaw's injury was anything too serious, right? Yeah, it yeah. sounded like he was getting taped up and getting ready to go back in at the end of the game. I don't know that we know exactly what the injury was, but it sounds like it was not uh, as severe as maybe Barr or Cook was. Yeah, and the Vikings, um, uh, yeah, they, they didn't end up putting him back in for the last two drives that they had. Um, and then they also lost Anthony Barr at some point. But uh, with a hamstring injury, so we'll have to see about him moving forward in terms of whether or not he'll be avail available to the Vikings um, this time around, but other than that, I guess the bright spot, Ken A. Wongwu, is that the brightest spot, Jim? Is there any other bright spot that we can think of? From this uh, he was great. I mean, Thielen, of course, made a couple big plays in the first half, as we're used to seeing. Uh, Wongwu, I mean, that, that's really impressive, and you know, here's the thing. Are they going to miss Dalvin Cook? Of course they are. But, you see with the 49ers, they have eight injuries to running back every game, and they just go, okay, I'll stick the wide receiver in there, and he'll get 10. I mean, so on the one hand, you yeah, you don't want to see Dalvin Cook hurt, and that changes some things about the way they – and it certainly is ne a negative because of the way they've built this franchise. On the flip side, the 49ers almost won the Super Bowl with 
Raheem Mostard, who was like on his 18th team or something like that. And now they have a, you know, set, they, they run the ball well no matter who's in the backfield. So maybe Madison and Nwongu can actually do almost as well as Dalvin Cook. I think if you're smart, you treat this, if Cook is going to miss time, as an opportunity to see what Wongwu can mm-hmm. do um, because his speed is special. I mean, he's got – we've seen it now twice in these kick returns. We saw it on the fake punt. Um, he's got elite speed, and I will put in my PSA that I said during the game, he ran track in high school. Kids, you learn to be fast if you go out for track and field in the spring. So add that to your football in the fall, and it will help you at the next level. But – that aside, his speed changes games, especially on turf, where you're going to play your next two, and it can make a big difference, I think, in cold weather where it's harder to cut if people are trying to catch up to you. So they should turn him loose. I think it, you should use it as an opportunity to see what kind of a difference that kid can make on the field, and maybe it adds another dimension to your offense that you need, whether or not you have Dalvin Cook. Yeah, hashtag free Wongwu. Um so the, the Vikings might end up doing that because we have seen, though, Alexander Madison run all over Detroit before, although we've seen a few people do that. Yeah, it's, a, it's not <laughs> so, a small club. So we might see Madison get a start here against Detroit, maybe on that short week, too, after that against uh, Pittsburgh on that Thursday night game. But the Vikings find themselves, despite the loss, at 5-6, and six, still at the seventh seed in the NFC playoff field. The Niners ahead of them at 6-5. and five because everybody below them lost. New Orleans lost this week. Philadelphia lost this week. Carolina lost this week. Atlanta won. So that puts uh, those four teams with five wins, along with the Vikings, who are currently ahead of them because they have a better conference record at four and three. How big of an achievement do we think going to the playoffs is in this format? I mean, it it depends on what you do with it. It's a one-game thing it's not a seven game series like if you're the eighth seed in the, in the NHL like the wild often are but so I suppose if you get hot you never know but just making the playoffs if you make it and you get in and you lose how much uh is that worth hanging our hats on at this point do we think it's not seven if you're the seventh seed and you lose your playoff game then you didn't accomplish anything you just extended your season and that's especially what it's going to feel like if it's another trip back to Green Bay or another trip back to Arizona, where you just get kind of, if in this hypothetical where they lose the first game, where you just get reinforced that you're not in this echelon. You know, you're going to get beat by one of these teams that are higher up because there is there's that clear top where it's Arizona, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Dallas, and Los Angeles. They all have seven wins. Niners have six. Everybody else has five or fewer, and is a losing team because the NFC is just not that good this year. It's pretty top heavy. I think is, I mean, and you could say that probably for both conferences. Yeah, and really, with the Rams sliding, it's really the four division leaders and then everybody else. So who knows? You just got to make the dance, right, and then see what happens. Because the Vikings, I mean, they they have everything on their side right now as far as having games against Detroit. And did you, you guys saw how Pittsburgh looked? Pittsburgh's terrible. Chicago's terrible. They get to play Detroit. The Rams are on a big slide. Roethlisberger's terrible. I mean. If they played well, they could make a nice run here. I'm just not sure they can play well. Yeah, and the news comes out that Matthew Stafford, Rams quarterback, is dealing with chronic back issues and reportedly that elbow injury as well. So who knows what state he's going to be in by the time he comes to U.S. Bank Stadium in the end of December. They have two games left against Chicago. And like we said, the aforementioned Lions, Steelers, and Packers games. So even though they're 5-6, and six, it's still at a weird spot where they could kind of back into the playoffs, as uh, Mike Tyson famously said. <laughs> 
one of the all-time great uh, stories from this beat of Mike Tice uh, after they – it was the year that they went into Green Bay and won in the first round of the playoffs – uh, after they, they lost a game, I think, in Washington where Moss walked off the field early. Um, have we told that story? Is that I don't know if that's – can we tell that one? <laughs> which one, Which part of it? The, well, the Tice with the, the – making the uh, like the semi-truck sound when it's backing yeah. up. Go ahead and tell it. Well, yeah, I, and I wasn't on the beat I at mean, the what time. I, what, the part that the I always – lived on for years. Yeah, the, I mean, that's the funny part. The part I remember the people told me about was uh, – was uh, that basically Tice sent Matt Burke into the locker room to beat up Randy Moss, and then they make the play. Then they get word they're making the playoffs. Like, yeah, don't beat him up. Don't beat him up right now. We kind of need him. We need him to go uh, beat the Packers and and moon their fans the next week. No, the Tice thing was, <clears throat> I think he walked by the reporters and starts making the sound of like a you know a truck going beep beep. So what am I doing? And then he repeats it with a an expletive that we can't say on this podcast. What am I doing? I'm backing into the playoffs. Maybe you should get off the podcast.